0: That was a video from uh, our arts explosion, our exploration of the arts this past year. And I don't know about the rest of you, but I feel like from what we've just seen, I don't even know if I need to be up here (laughs) because with the worship, the baptism, videos like that, that'll preach. That'll preach, folks. But I did prepare a little something, so maybe I'll talk for a little bit. (laughs) My name is Ben Jagger. This is my first time up in this uh, capacity and I'm very, very excited for it. I am one of the student ministries pastors out here. You may have seen my brother in arms, my partner in crime, Shay, last week. We thought about doing a cliffhanger ending last week and then I would have picked it up this week and we could have put them together but it didn't quite work out, but oh well. Letting you know a little bit about myself. First of all, I'm not Jason. Just, just in case you were confused, we have the same hairstyle. That is true, but I make one thing very clear, mine was first. He copied me, not the other way around. That also might kind of make us like follicle fellows, to like be against the bald bros. We'll see if that goes anywhere. I don't know, I just thought of that on the way into today. We are the Follicle Fellows. It's probably not gonna catch on because I use the word follicle. But, I digress. I have been known by many, many nicknames in my life. I am known as the human jukebox and the walking internet movie database. Basically, that just means that if you have a conversation with me, 75% of what I say will either be a song lyric or a movie quote. It's a problem, but I don't care because I love it, so get used to it, you know. I have also been known as the bottomless pit because, boy, do I like food, and I can put it away. I have been known by one person in high school as Randall. That's because he thought I looked like Randall from the TV show Recess. Now, for those of you that are not millennials who watched Saturday evening or Saturday afternoon cartoons, the show of recess was the story after school of a bunch of students in a school getting up to a bunch of crazy things. And Randall was the snitch who always got them into trouble. At the time, it was a senior giving a nickname to a sophomore, so I thought it was the best thing. Looking back, Maybe not as much as I thought, but it was still fun. I'm also, of course, known as the Claw. For those of you who are not familiar with me, I am not referring to Toy Story. I am not the Claw. (laughs) The Claw decides who will go and who will stay. Not a good phrase for a pastor to say. So I am not that claw. I am of course referring to this guy. It is known as the claw. This makes high-fiving so much more fun. It's great. However, it has been known to steal my own wallet because it has a mind of its own. If you're not aware, I have cerebral palsy. I uh, had a, a story video a number of months ago that explained it a little bit more, but basically God has blessed me with cerebral palsy. Yep, you heard that right. Because it is a part of my ministry. It is a huge part of my ministry. It is how I can connect with people on a different level. Speaking of ministry, my ministry, my call to ministry, started just after my senior year of high school. And I was attending a, a weekend spiritual kind of retreat and While I was there, I gave my first testimony, and during that time, a friend of mine was killed in a car accident, and I had to wrestle with my story versus the evil in the world versus what love is, and I came out the other side feeling a call to ministry. That makes no sense, but God works that way. And as I decided to go into ministry, I then decided to hard left turn from going to GVSU, and less than a month before school started, Tried to enroll into Kuiper. I got into Kuiper College, went there for five years, and also went to a year, I heard some Kuiper love, yeah. (laughs) Also a year and a half at Calvin Seminary. During that time, I of course started preaching classes. During that time, I felt the great weight of preaching. Some of you may have noticed, I am not wearing any shoes. That is not because I was robbed on the way here. (laughs) That is a choice. And that choice came from this study of this weight of preaching because I felt the weight of being the mouthpiece of God to the people of God. And I connected that to the story of Moses and the burning bush where Moses comes and he finds a bush that is not burning up but is still on fire and God speaks to him out of the bush and as Moses is about to become the mouthpiece of God to go out to the people of God, God says to him, remove your shoes for this is holy ground. And every time that I get up to preach, I want to remind myself that it is not my words that are being said. It is not my agenda that is being said, but it is the word of God through me. That's why I have no shoes. As my schooling continued, I went through, I did a year and a half at Calvin Seminary, and then I was dismissed. I was kicked out for grades. And it was shattering. I had to find a new place to live. I had to find a job. I had everything in my life had to be reconfigured. I didn't understand it, I was angry, because the call that I thought was so crystal clear was suddenly not crystal clear. So I found a job at a golf course and I started working up at Egypt Valley Country Club. And I spent five years working with the people there, learning how to interact with the students and young people in the, that, that ended up being working for me as I became a supervisor and working with people there who were just people in their leisure time and seeing their hurts, seeing how they were hurting and messed up and interacting with them, and God taught me and prepared me for five years. And about two years ago, I received a dream from God. And that dream basically renewed and recalled me to the call. And I had no idea what it meant. I just felt that it was true. And then about a year ago, I found out what it meant as John and Shay met with me and asked me to come on and work at the church that I had been attending for now 12 years and had been a part of the youth group for eight. God's work, God's plan is incredible, and it is far beyond our understanding. I have been so blessed to be here for the last year, so thankful to be here, and that is what has brought me to this place. And I am joining with you in our Greenlit series. And I have been here the last couple weeks, and I have heard Shay and Jay have these challenges of the reminder of going out, the challenge to go out into the everyday mission field and go and have the hospitable heart and spirit as Shay talked about last week. And as I went out and I've been hearing this, I have been challenged deeply on how I am interacting outside of this place. And as I've gone, I've also had this question come up into my head. And it's probably one of the oldest questions that mankind has ever asked. Because you have all heard it at some point. It is the question of why. And most of you have heard it from a, from a child when you tell them to do something and they go, why? And you say, you give an explanation and they go, why? And then they give another explanation and you go, why? Because of this. Why? Because of that. Why? 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 Because I said so! <laughs> Anybody? Relate? Anybody? Yep, yep. Hi, I was the why kid. Hi. Sorry, Mom. (laughs) But, that why question has been in my head the last three weeks. Why are we greenlit? Why do we go? And as I've gotten older, that question has been coupled with how. Uh, How do I do that? You get this great challenge to go out into the world and you walk out those steps, those doors, and you get out into the mission field and you go, okay, how do I do this? Okay, what do I do? How does this work? And that why and that how has weighed on me. And I want to share with you a little bit of what I think the answer is. And it's one simple thing. Each and every one of us is imprinted with the image of God. Right away in Genesis, God is creating the world and he comes to the creation of mankind. And In Genesis 1.27 it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female, he created them. Each and every one of you have been imprinted with the image of God. What does that have to do with all of this? So there's a story I'd like to share with you, and it's probably an unexpected story for most of you. It's a story in Matthew 22. If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps with you, you can turn with me. Matthew 22, starting at verse 15 through 22. This is yet another story of the Pharisees trying to trick Jesus with a question. And that question, you'll see here in a second, Jesus turns around in just an incredible way. So join me, with me in the word of the Lord. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians. Teachers, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity, and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You are not swayed by others, because you pay no attention to who they are. Pause. Did anyone else hear the sarcastic vitriol in those words? You read how this started, right? They were sent to trap Jesus. And they start off with these flowery words of encouragement. Not a single one of those words did they mean. Not a one. They're trying to build him up so his fall is that much greater. The reason I pause is because boy have I felt this today. The words that people are using right now are used with a hidden vitriol, anger, contempt, and that comes from a desire to win. A desire to prove you're right. Watch what Jesus does with this. They come to him with a question. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay imperial tax to Caesar or not? Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? First of all, called it out. Right there. Not having it. Then... He does something incredible. Show me the coin used for paying the tax. So they brought him a denarius and he asked them, whose image is this? Whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Then when they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. Why were they so amazed at that response? Was it because Christ expertly navigated a highly charged political and theological question intended to harm him with simple grace and resounding truth? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly why they were amazed. Because he slit right through their intentions. But then he did one other thing, and that other thing is seen in an implied second question. We know, we see, that these questioners had no intention of actually finding out the answer to this question. Because they didn't ask a follow-up question that was pretty obvious. And I think they didn't want to. Because they knew what Christ had just did. They asked the question, should we, give unto, should we pay the tax? And he said, show me a denarius. He was shown one of these. That's a denarius. And every denarius in the Roman Empire was imprinted with the ruling Caesar's head and his inscription. This of course is Caesar Augustus. And this was imprinted on everyone and as soon as that was imprinted, it meant a few things. It meant that if you paid with that, you were part of the Roman Empire. You belonged to the Roman Empire it also increased the worth of the silver it was imprinted upon. And so he holds up this coin and says, who, who do you see here? Whose image do you see on this? It's not a trick question. It's a very easy question. Caesar, he's right there. We all know who he is. And so they said it. And then he said, give unto Caesar's what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. There's an implied second question here that they chose not to ask, and that question was, okay, if that belongs to Caesar's, what belongs to God? They didn't ask it because the implied answer is that which bears his image. What he did in just that statement, because these were Pharisee disciples, they had memorized Genesis 1.27. They knew what it said. And so when he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's, he implied that the image of God that he was looking at as they came to him had the same effect as the denarius did. It gained worth and it was part of something bigger. He gave worth and value to those who wished to attack him and give him ill. And he came to them and said, you bear the image of God, so have worth. Be worthy more so than you ever thought you were and be part of something so much bigger. He knew that that image of God was so important for people to understand. Why? And what does that have to do with our Greenlit series? Well, it's simple. You are the image bearers of God. So what does God look like? Now I want one thing very clear before I proceed. Being an image bearer of God does not make you a little God. You do not become everything that God is. You do not possess everything that God is. There are certain things that God keeps unto himself fully and completely. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is almighty. He is eternal and holy in a way that we could never understand or live to. But there are things that he has imparted unto each and every one of us innately I want to run through three of those right now the first one is this God the God whose image we bear is loving two of the three verses John 3 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life 1 John 3:16 This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. God is love. God always loves. God is always loving. The second thing, God is just. Isaiah 30, verse 18, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you, therefore he will rise you up and show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Isaiah 61, 8, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Deuteronomy 32, 4, He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. God always seeks what is right. Always seeks what is true. Always seeks justice. And not just seeks, but vehemently goes after it. He will have justice. There is a reason that no one can see him because impurity cannot survive in the presence of God. He is also pursuing. The very first thing, very first thing that Christ did, that Jesus did, that God did, when we as a people sinned, Genesis 3, Adam and Eve have taken the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They have eaten it, they are ashamed and they have hidden. And Genesis 3:9, "But the Lord God called to the man, "Where are you?" The first thing, as soon as we sinned, He came after us. He pursued. Psalm 139, seven and eight. "Where can I go from your spirit?" Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. There is nowhere you can go to get away from God. Psalm 18, the entire chapter is an incredible story of God's pursuit of us. I'm just gonna read a little bit here. In my distress I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire came from his mouth, burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. When God hears the cry of one, Distress. He will rip the heavens apart to come to the side of that person, of that cry. He pursues you. We just witnessed the incredible evidence of pursuit. Baptism is where God says, gotcha. Baptism is the expression where we say to the church, he got me. I was Dead, now I am alive. I was blind, now I can see. Baptism is not just for the three we just witnessed. Each and every one of you should be reminded of your baptism, your story that brought you to the water that left your old self there and your new self came out. That was because God pursued you. This is the God that we bear the image of. This is what we look like. You know what that means? All of these things are built in to you. When you go from this place and that doubt sets in and you feel that challenge to go, you've been challenged the last three weeks to do something about it and then you walk outside and you go, I can't do it. Yeah, you can. It's already in you. Just let it go. This is such a freeing thought to me. Why can I be loving? Why can I pursue justice? Why can I pursue others, the un- and the de-churched in the world? Because God's already shown me how to do it. He's already there doing it in me. And I wanna make one other thing very clear. You're not the only one that the image of God is upon. Every single one of us bears that image. We bear the image of love. John 15, 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Or as we could also say, love each other as you have already been made to love. Justice, Micah 6, 8. He has shown you are mortal what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. We are built to pursue. We are built to go after people. Because we bear the same image of the God who rips the heavens themselves apart for one cry. So when you hear the cries of distress around you, you go. The Great Commission says, Go! Go! And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is go. It is time. But I wanna make one thing clear here on Next Gen Weekend. You cannot separate the image of God. It is not a different image of God on a different person. The image of God is not different in Zone or in ISM than it is here. The image of God is not different on your opposing political views. The image of God is not different. These paintings that have been going on behind me were separate. But when they are brought together, we see clearly what is meant to be. When the image of God is not separated, when you do not go out and choose. Who's got the image of God and who does not? When you go out and you do not attempt to separate those who you believe have a different image of God than you, you are lying to yourself if you believe that anyone that you meet has a different image. Every single person was made in the image of God. Not every person possesses the spirit of God. Every person has the image of God. And so you speak into that. You know that it is there. And so you go, love well. Seek justice, pursue to the ends of the earth. Because that is what we are made to look like. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Father God, be with us as we go and show us what is already in us. Pull it out of us as we go from this place. May your spirit fill us. We are here for you to fill us and send us out. Not fill us so that we can stay and be refilled tomorrow or next week. God, you are so, so good. So good. Thank you for bringing your word. May it fill the hearts of your people and may we go as you send us. I pray this in your great, your awesome, almighty name. Amen. You're dismissed.